two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. It is the Authority. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Six minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway on this Thursday. It's the 14th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And uh, to say that we are loaded for bear today is an understatement. My goodness gracious. Uh, coming up in just mere minutes, probably two or three of them, uh, we are going to be talking with Ohio's 16th Congressional Representative, Anthony Gonzalez. Anthony Gonzalez was one of 10 Republicans to join the Democrats yesterday in the vote to impeach President Trump for a historical second time. A lot of people are wondering why. We're going to talk to him about that coming up in just a couple of moments. Coming up at 9.30, his predecessor in the 16th District, Jim Renacci, who is busy working on Ohio's future now by way of the Ohio's Future Foundation. Uh, Jim Renacci is also talking about the state of the Ohio economy in the wake of all of the lockdowns and the uh, decisions made by leadership uh, coming from Mike DeWine at the top. So Jim Renacci will join us to talk about that at 9.35, It is a Thursday, so that means Dr. Everett Piper will join us on all of these things. And, of course, at 10.35, I shouldn't say of course, rather, I'm saying, of course, because I've known about this uh, since early yesterday. We're going to talk with uh, Kirsten Hill. Kirsten Hill is the um, Lorain County Tea Party organizer, and most importantly, she's a member of the Ohio State Board of Education. She was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th as part of a bus tour, or a bus brigade, rather, that went down there to uh, listen to President Trump, to cheer, to wave flags, and, as she'll tell us, to pray because that's what she was in D.C. to do. Some are accusing her of being part of uh, fomenting what turned out to be a riot at the Capitol. So we're going to let her defend herself coming up at 1035 this morning, which I think is only fair. And I'm told that we do have now uh, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez on the line. He is uh, Ohio's 16th Congressional District Representative. It's been a little while since we have spoken, so let me say welcome back to the program. Congressman, how are you, sir? Thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Doing okay. How are you? I'm doing uh, as well as can be expected right now. We're in a very, very difficult time, and you know that. You were part of that yesterday. So I want to thank you for taking the time this morning to talk about and explain your decision to uh, vote to impeach President Trump. And before we start, I will respectfully ask if we try, and I know it happens, it's not intentional, but uh, try not to filibuster too long on any one individual question, because i got a lot of them that I'd love to have you address, Congressman. On behalf of many of your 16th District constituents who have contacted me and said, hey, ask Congressman Gonzalez this. So let's start with the obvious. You're one of just 10 Republican members to join every Democrat in the House to vote to impeach President Trump, according to the article presented to you of impeachment, and according to the arguments made by the Democrats uh, who led this impeachment for inciting in- insurrection. So, Congressman, what words did President Trump specifically use to incite the insurrection or the violence or vandalism that played out on January 6th? Yeah, well, first off, Bob, I, I do, uh, and I won't filibuster, but I do want to say appreciate that. For that 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 opening. Say, hey, look, we obviously are going to disagree on this, and and I understand that. Um, but you know, to have an opportunity to actually speak and, and to have it have that civilly done, I think is important uh, for I everybody. Do too. Frankly, that's what it's all about. All it's all about communication absolutely. and free speech, and that's that's we don't have enough of either, quite frankly, right now. So, no, I definitely wanted no, to give you this no, opportunity. No, we don't. Um, no, we don't. So, in in any event, uh, with respect to your first question. So, you know, when I, when I rewatched the speech uh, and I see things, you know, fight like hell and you have to, 
you have to fight and you have to go and take back your country and you have to stop this and you have to go in and intervene. I mean, there were speeches throughout the day, um, not just President Trump. And I also want to say that, you know, th- this isn't solely his responsibility, not even close. Uh, all, the ultimate responsibility is for those who made uh, those terrible decisions uh, amongst amongst the crowd. But uh, But in terms of when you look back at the whole narrative of the last two months and in particular the charges, which frankly just aren't constitutionally accurate, that Vice President Pence can overturn this election from from the bench or that the Congress can, uh, and, and, and then encouraging uh, people to physically go and stop, uh, stop this deal. That um, certainly escalated the tensions and I, and I think drove people, and then actually telling people, go to the Capitol now. So that certainly uh, helped inspire and light the fuse. Uh, and then... Okay, if if I may if I may hit yeah, that point before we go too far go into this, um, you're talking about uh, the last two months, and you're talking about telling people to physically go and and change this. I'm I'm looking for words, literal words, because and and let me ask you this: Were you aware? And I wasn't. This is homework. But were you right. aware at the time of that impeachment vote yesterday that? The Supreme Court of the United States in 1969 made a very, very direct ruling about language. It can't just be about what you're calling conduct over the last two months and saying, hey, we got to fight like hell. That in 1969, Brandenburg versus Ohio, the Supreme Court set the standard for incitement very, very high because they wanted to protect, like you and I do, free speech as much as humanly possible. And they said that a speaker charged with incitement um, in such a manner, had to use direct words that were likely to produce violence. The old standard was that if a speaker said something the listeners could subjectively interpret as something that wasn't being stated directly by the speaker, especially violence, then that speaker could be charged with incitement. But in 69, they ruled very directly that the speaker has to use specifically spoken words directing or commanding listeners to commit violence. And on his January 6th speech, or in his speech, his clearly spoken words were to cheer on the brave senators and to do so peacefully and patriotically. So I'm looking for that state. Did you know that when at the time of the vote yesterday? And would you have liked to have known that? Uh, I did know that. Now, I, I will say I, this is part of why this process was completely broken, uh, and and frankly, why I, I almost did vote no uh, is because I think the process was was terrible. Um, in a in a perfect world, we would have had more time and more opportunity uh, to look through every single court dog and go through that right that that is likely to happen in the senate uh, the, as you know the house's you know, role in an impeachment is basically as a grand jury is there enough evidence to say hey this probably should go to trial um and and so in in that respect uh, what, what, what was that was that evidence you're hearing held congressman i like your wording there that's very well said the congress the the house's job is to say is there enough evidence to proceed to a trial that evidence usually has to be presented at a hearing in fact not usually constitutionally it has to be presented at a hearing in which the the accused has the opportunity to defend himself either personally through representation or through witnesses or a combination thereof just like it was done in the impeachment last year so so knowing what you just said to be true that it is is there enough evidence to go to trial here do you think that president trump got due process yesterday by voting without that evidentiary hearing i believe that the the entire course of events again over the last two months and all the rhetoric and all the the stuff frankly that uh that the president had been doing for two months 
which is which is a real shame because the truth is I rejected the last impeachment I supported you know ninety nine percent of the things he did. I think his agenda was spot on. Uh, which is why I campaigned for him and wanted him to win and was a co-chair of his campaign. Um, all that aside, uh, I believe the full spectrum of events that took place over the last two months uh, was enough evidence. Now, again, to your point. Uh, so you voted, I, you, you, voted to, you voted to send an impeachment to the Senate based on evidence that you saw over the last two months. Was that evidence presented in a due process hearing for the president, as the Constitution requires. Yeah, I know you're a believer in the Constitution, right? This Absolutely. vote yesterday is, is, it can be viewed by many, many, and in fact is being viewed by many constitutional scholars as being exactly that, because it's pretty clear that in the case of an impeachment, the accused uh, or the uh, would-be impeached uh, officer uh, does get a hearing in order to listen to that evidence. So if you had two months of what you think is impeachable conduct, wouldn't you have liked to have been able to present that through questioning in a, in a, in a hearing? Yes, and that is absolutely going to happen in the Senate. I mean, that is 100%. No, 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 no. Presumably, that is 100%. Con- Congressman, that's the trial. You said yourself, hold on, you said your body in the lower chamber has to present enough evidence to even get that to a trial. You're you're sending something to a trial without evidence that leads to that trial having been presented. Bob, Bob. I mean, this would be like a prosecutor saying, you know, I read in the papers uh, that this guy was a really bad guy over the last few months. I don't have any evidence, but we're going to charge him anyway and send it to a trial. No judge would allow such a thing. A judge is going to say, what is your evidence that would produce a likely conviction in the trial? No judge would ever allow that. So why are we allowing the House of Representatives, yourself included with the Democrats and nine other Republicans, to violate the constitutional rights of the accused? Now, hold on one second, Bob. So let's take a step back and and rehash sort of impeachment history in this country. Uh, As you may or may not know, impeachment for President Johnson took place three days uh, after his accusation. Uh, And and so there there is precedent for speedy, uh, speedy. um, I'm sorry, I'm losing the words. I'm walking outside. My kids are sleeping inside um, for a a speedy process here. Uh, It is not the process that I would have. It is not the process that I think is is correct, but there is precedent uh, in impeachment of President Johnson took place three days after his accusation. Now, with respect, and to do you believe that was constitutional, that, no. Congressman? Was that constitutional when that happened? When when there was no hearing given to President Johnson, uh, was that was that a constitutional hear- impeachment uh, in your hearing, opinion? The, Bob, the the hearing takes place in in the Senate. That's where the hearings will take place. That's where the trial will take place. No, the trial takes place in the Senate, sir. Sir, the the trial takes place there. The evidentiary hearing takes place in the Senate. You went through in the House. You went through this in the Ukraine ridiculous story, and you opposed that. Uh, But but you you were there. You were there, and you were sitting in and listening to the evidentiary portion of this presented by Adam Schiff and all of his witnesses and and so on and so forth. That is what. Then you guys were able to go and make an educated vote as to whether or not this should go to a trial in the Senate. All of that was eliminated this time, and I think you know why, and so do I. Because it was January 13th yesterday, and he's out of office in one week. So if they have the hearings that could take several days, they might miss their chance to continue their persecution of a man that you know they started uh, uh, impeachment proceedings on literally 19 minutes after his inauguration on January 20th, 2017. They were going to miss their chance if they held the constitutionally required hearings, and that's why they pushed this. What I want to know is why you were a willing, you know, party to that. Yeah. So again, uh, first off, let's agree on on 
a whole heck of a lot of what you just said, which is they have been after him for years. I think they were after, frankly, they were going to impeach him. They decided they were going to impeach him before the election even ended in 2016, should he want. That is true. And they spent, and they spent the entire four years basically harassing and, and trying to destroy him, his family, and any supporter of his, including me, uh, mm-hmm. and, and all of our constituents. Uh, and so I, I agree wholeheartedly, and let's agree that the last four years from House Democrats in particular uh, and their allies in the media was absolutely disgusting and, and disastrous for our, our country. Um, so let's, let's agree on that. Uh, in terms of why I support, and again, not the process I would have chosen, not what I think is, is, the, is the right way to do an impeachment at all. Uh, but when I look at the evidence that's in the public domain, hearing or not, but just the public domain and what I saw, I thought there was enough evidence. I believe there was enough evidence. And you could say, hey, look, there wasn't. That's fine. Disagree. But I believe there was enough evidence to say, hey, based on what I'm seeing here, articles of impeachment are warranted. Uh, and I and I'm inclined to support. And so that what, what, and, and of, of that way, evidence, sir, that's what I want to know, though, specifically what evidence was presented to you before that vote that made you gave you the ability to make such a judgment without evidence being presented and without evidence being counter evidence being presented by the president's defense team, which is the way, again, it happened. You went through this process with the Ukraine impeachment. You know that is a standard. It's not a, well, in the best of worlds, we would have had this. It is a requirement, a constitutional requirement to take that evidence into consideration, including witness evidence and 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 anything else that you may have, forensically, video, tactically, whatever, that is a requirement. It's not a, well, we would like right. to have had an opportunity to hear evidence before we voted. Again, you gave them the green light by voting for this to waive constitutional due process for the president and waive the requirement that the president be able to defend himself before something is sent to the Senate for a trial vote. So again, I, if you want to know what evidence was I looking at, what was I looking at? And No, what was presented, sir? What was presented is what I'm asking. Because it wasn't presented. They, what you are about to say, and I'll let you say it, you're about to say, well, this is what I saw on TV, and this is what I read in the newspapers, this is what I saw as conduct over the last two months. And that's fine if you want to take that as evidence, but that's not evidence that could be considered at a trial, in a, in, a, in a hearing, to vote for impeachment, for removal of the President of the United States. That evidence needed to be presented to you from a witness stand, from sworn uh, 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 parties in this, in this case. And that never happened. So you can tell me what you thought about the last two months, but at the end of the day, none of that matters in an impeachment vote it had to have been brought forth in a hearing that's due process i'm sure you would agree and i'm sure all of your constituents in the 16th would agree is the most fundamental right that we have as citizens in this country the due process to defend ourselves against accusations made when was the president allowed to defend himself before you said yay on that vote yesterday right so again the house report did come out earlier this week that outlines the case for impeachment so there was a presentation was there were there hearings? No, there were not. And again, the exact point you're making is why this was such a difficult decision and why I, I was literally in my office two minutes before the vote was called, making sure I was comfortable with, with my vote. And I understand that, that you know, again, we're on different sides of this. I, I, I get that, and that's clear. Um, now, in terms of what was presented, uh, so it was presented, again, in, in the House report, uh, and then the things that I saw, it's not what I read in the newspaper. It's not 
you know, what I heard on TV or anything like that. Uh, it is, it was a series of events that transpired that you can just read the Twitter. You can listen to the speeches. You can think back. Okay. What, what was the purpose of the stop the steal rally? What was it? Okay. And we may disagree on this, but in my opinion, what this was was an attempt by the president of the United States to circumvent the Constitution to overturn an election. And I can't think of it. And on what do you base that allegation? That is, I am sitting here with my jaw on my chest right now. You believe that the president's intent in having that Stop the Steal rally was to circumvent the election and the will of the people and not just to do exactly what he told the people there he wanted them to do? You know, sir that hundreds of thousands of pro-life marchers caravan to the nation's capital every February or so to hear fiery speeches, chant their opinions, say their prayers, and try to encourage Congress to defend innocent babies. The next day, hundreds of thousands of pro-choice marchers, the Women's March, they caravan to to hear fiery speeches and to try to encourage Congress to continue to allowing Roe versus Wade. Hundreds of thousands of minorities, men and women, caravan to D.C. to hear fiery speeches and chant and demand that Congress support equal rights and civil rights. And all of those are fine. Hundreds of thousands of people march to D.C. to protest the confirmation of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, listening to fiery speeches, chanting slogans, and then pounding on the doors of the Supreme Court, screaming, shut it down, shut it down, and that's okay. So how is asking hundreds of thousands of people to come to D.C. to hear fiery speeches, to chant their chants, and demand that Congress, with their voices, which is specifically and precisely what he said, demand that Congress delay the certification so that a 10-day investigative audit, bipartisan, can be formed, which is what was being argued on the Senate floor, which is constitutional and legal at the time. You tell me how this is any different. Bob, so I'm going to, again, I, I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you to let me explain the full vote just for a second. Okay. Go ahead. So first off, everything you just said about free speech marches and fiery speeches and all that, I, I 100% agree with. Okay. That is a constitutionally protected right. Everybody has it. We should celebrate that. That's how we've gotten to where we are as a country. Uh, and it's an it's example for the country, frankly. Uh, and, and so the fiery speech alone uh, is not an impeachable offense, not by a mile, in, in my opinion. I, I, I would agree with you on that. Okay. So that's, that's that piece. Now, you asked me how could I conclude that that's what I, that I thought that the goal of the president was to get the Congress or the vice president to overturn the election. It's because that's what he said he wanted us to do. And that's not constitutional. When you get down to it, and this is why I voted to certify, when you get down to it, the states and the people send electors. We got one slate of electors from every single state. We didn't get multiple slates. We got one slate of certified electors. The Constitution is crystal clear. When you get one slate of electors and only one slate, there's no choice. You just read the votes. You count the votes. That's what the, the plain language says. Con- Congressman, if I may, I, and, and I appreciate what you're saying, but I have to get this in. On January 6, 2017, sir, January 6, 2017, Democrats challenged the certification of the electors. And they were wrong. 
And okay, but the, but nobody. Had. Hold on a second, sir. No one was was held accountable for that. No one said that that those who supported such a thing should be impeached or removed from office. In fact, let me ask you that: since you voted to impeach the president, Congressman uh, uh, Gonzalez, do you think that which your Democrat uh, uh, friends who also voted to impeach say? that Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley should be removed from the Senate for making the argument on the floor of the Senate because they say Trump should be impeached and those two specifically should be removed from office. Sherrod Brown said that yesterday. Do you agree that they should be removed from office for daring to challenge the electors? Because that is exactly no, what not. the president wanted to have happen. Okay, no, so if not, you don't think they not. should be removed, why should the president be removed? And in fact, let, let, let me follow up on one other point with you because you talked about... Uh, you know what the actual article says. Um, the line in the article that is the only thing that is even remotely, in my opinion, and, and I'd like yours, that can be remotely construed as 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 wanting physical action to take place, was when the president said, "quote If you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore." The left, including your colleagues on the Democrat side who voted uh, to impeach yesterday, have made this the, and in fact, like I said, Nancy Pelosi and her team put that in the actual article of impeachment, that that was an incitement to violence. I would like to ask you to respond to the following. It's a short clip, but I want to get you to respond to this, Congressman uh, Gonzalez, because obviously, since this was in the article that you voted to support, you, I'm guessing you agree with this. So let's listen to this real quick. And when our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked, do we retreat or do we fight? I say we fight. And I intend to fight. I intend to fight for our ideals. I intend to fight. Are you willing to stand together and fight for those people who are struggling? Are you willing to fight? Because you don't get what you don't fight for, I am in this fight. But this is a fight for our country, for the oath we take to protect and defend the Constitution. And we got to fight like hell, and we got to win the House, and we got to win the Senate. We have it deep in our souls, and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, why is only one of those the condemnable and impeachable offense? The, the rhetoric is the same. Fighting does not mean fisticuffs in either Elizabeth Warren's, Kamala Harris's, Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi's, nor Donald Trump's statements. Why is he being held? Why are you, since you voted for this, holding him to a different standard? Right. So, again, I, and I think I said this earlier, fiery speech alone not impeachable clearly not impeachable not illegal no problem with it i not it's not how i tend to express myself but look no issue with it fiery speech alone not impeachable but when you again look back over the last two months you look at what occurred that day and you look at what the purpose and what the goal of the president was and and this is most important and this is what tipped me over the scales and, and again you haven't let me get to this yet but what tipped me over the scales is the conduct of the president while the attack was taking place. So me and my colleagues under attack, the United States Capitol under attack, okay, most people were there peacefully. I've talked to some people from the district who were there, and they certainly weren't. They were praying. I think you mentioned this earlier. They were praying. They were chanting. They were singing. Yeah. They were doing things that are perfectly appropriate. Uh, but the people who stormed the Capitol uh, killed a police officer, five people dead. Uh, the Capitol under siege 
we are imploring the president to help, to stand up, to help defend the United States Capitol and the United States Congress, which was under attack. We are begging, essentially. And he was nowhere to be found. Okay? And so, in that instance, if this were a foreign country, Bob, if this were, if this were a foreign adversary, if this were a, uh, a, an Islamic terror group, if this were Iran, if this were China, we would be sending missiles over right now immediately and we'd be doing everything we could to stop it and, and, and save the capital that didn't occur okay let, let me let me let me let me respond to that in two ways number one and i know you're short on time you had until 9 30 so just give me like one or two more minutes with you and i have one more question for you if the yep. president yep. of the united states was was being sought for help in stopping this can you tell me this were you aware at the time of your vote yesterday that one day earlier uh before the the january 6th riot that the fbi uh, had been informed. As a matter of fact, they say they received information in the days, plural, subs- uh, uh, pre- uh, uh, previous to January 6th, that some participants in D.C. were planning a, quote, war on the Capitol, including killing officers and distributing maps of the complex. Assistant Director Stephen D'Antuono said, quote, we relieved and received intelligence that a number of individuals were planning to travel to D.C. with intentions to cause violence. We immediately shared that information with Capitol Police and action was taken. You know who they didn't share that information with, Congressman? President Trump. Why? My point in asking that question is, how can you sit there and, and vote to impeach President Trump for inciting something that the FBI says was planned before the speech ever was delivered? Before any of the chaos that you just described took place, President Trump, had he been made aware that, you know, there are some people coming there to commit violence, could have preempted all of that. But why are we now saying that Trump was responsible for inciting an insurrection when the FBI says this happened long before Trump ever took the stage? So I, I think one thing that would be good to know is what did the president know, what didn't he know, and I, and I suspect that we'll we'll learn that. Um, uh, but to your point, uh, and again, but, I. But, but, I, but when I would we learn that? We should learn that in the in the in the House hearing on whether or not to impeach. That would have been something you would have been. I'm sure you would have loved to ask a question of, and any other of your colleagues. Mr. Attorney for the President, or Mr. President, or witnesses, what did Mr. FBI, Assistant Director, did you inform the Trump team of this? That is how impeachment decisions are made, and they did not happen, which is why it is, I, in my opinion, just wholly irresponsible to vote to impeach without the answers to those questions. And I'll give you again, the last word because I know we're past our time. Go ahead. Thanks, Bob. Um, and again, I really do appreciate this. I know we're <laughs> we're arguing. This is good. This is good dialogue. Yeah. I, I do appreciate it. Um, so, again, the question is, did I have enough information? Did I feel like I had enough information based on everything that I saw, everything that I experienced? And, again, people imploring the president to help while the Capitol was under siege, and I believe not doing anything even close to enough uh, to, to help calm down and to stop what was going on. Okay. Did I have enough? I feel like supporting an article was there. And the answer for me was yes. And I understand that people are furious, and I get it. And this is, these are incredibly difficult, divided times. This has been the worst 12 months for most Americans that they've ever experienced. This has been absolutely awful, and I completely get that, and it hits my family, and it hits families all across the 16th District, and it's terrible. That said, we are going to get through this. We are going to get past this. And what I would tell your listeners, who I know are, are furious with me and i and i absolutely get that and i know you are too and i understand and i know i got a lot of trust to rebuild 
and there's a chance I can't do it with a lot of people. I get that. Trust me, I do. But let me tell you this. Every single person listening, every conservative listening right now, we have got to come together at some point. We have to. And I know we're divided right now, but we have Joe Biden coming into office in a couple of days. We have a Democratic Senate. We have a Democrat-controlled House. We are going to have to be unified and pushing back on the, on the agenda that we know is so bad for this country. We have to be. I know I took a vote that everybody can't stand. I get that. But the priority moving forward for me, for my office, for I hope every conservative across the country and certainly listening to this radio program, is to make sure that we stay together and prevent D.C. statehood, to prevent socialized medicine, to prevent all these crazy things that have been campaigned on by liberal politicians for the last two, three, four years. I will stand in that breach for as long as I'm, I'm blessed to have the position that I do. And you don't have to worry no. about that. And I get that we're, we're on different sides of this, but I, I sincerely will say this. You don't have to worry about that with me. You don't have to worry about whether I will stand up and defend our liberties, make sure we stop being censored, make sure that all these things don't happen. That will be my mission. That never changes. I know I disappointed a lot of people. I get that. And in two years or whenever, they can, you know, the voters will have their chance to, yeah. to speak at the ballot box. I get it. But I just want to leave you with that. And I, I do want to thank you again, Bob. Great conversation. I know we're on different sides of this. Yeah, well, we, we, we are. And listen, Congressman, you got guts for coming on the day after the vote because you know that a lot of people are angry. You knew you were going to get challenged here. So I do appreciate yep. you coming on. But I will say this. I'm going to question that commitment to liberty that you just made on all those other issues because, to me, the ultimate testimony to liberty is the Constitution. And yesterday you voted to deny Donald Trump his constitutional right to due process. And that, that should have been held before this. You know, I served in uh, about six years ago. I spent a summer as a foreman of a grand jury in Lorain County, okay? And and yeah. never would I, as foreman of that grand jury, allow a prosecutor to come in and say, we're not presenting you any evidence here. Just go by what you have seen firsthand out in the in the world and then send this case to the uh, to, to, to a trial, uh, to, to vote to, to um, uh, bill or no bill this. We want you to vote to bill without any evidence. I couldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. It would never have been allowed, and that's essentially what you and the rest of those who voted yesterday did. Uh, you denied due process. You denied evidence to be presented before you sent this to a trial, and I just think that's something that's going to make people question that commitment to liberty. But I appreciate you well, coming on. Like I said, you've got guts, and uh, and I do appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bob. All right. It's 936. We obviously blew through two commercial breaks and a news break. We're going to get out for a bit and come back and talk with Congressman Jim Renacci, the man who preceded Anthony Gonzalez uh, in the uh, 16th District. That'll be next. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.42. Our clock is all messed up here, so I apologize for that. We had a long interview with uh, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez that I really feel like needed to be held. He voted yesterday, along with nine other Republicans, to impeach President Donald Trump, joining every Democrat in the House. Now, he is our 16th Congressional District Representative. The man who held that seat before him is Congressman Jim Renacci, and he joins us now. You believe that's not a, Sorry about that. Not ostensibly to react to that. We had this interview scheduled, but we will, of course, discuss that as well. Congressman Renacci, good to have you back. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm doing well. How are you? 
Uh, doing well, too, sir. Thank you. Um, you know, we talked last week, obviously, a little bit, and I, and I know you had an event in the middle of last week uh, talking about Ohio's future, Ohio's economy, because I know you've been laser-focused on that with Ohio's Future Foundation. And I said, hey, let's have you back on next week to talk more about that. And then here we are. Uh, you happened to come in scheduled after Anthony Gonzalez yesterday, so it took a little bit of the uh, the, the thunder away uh, from the economic message. So let me just get this out of the way, then we'll go back to that. What was your reaction to what you just heard from your successor in that seat in Congress and your overall reaction to the uh, impeachment of the president yesterday? Well, first off, look, every member of Congress has to vote their conscience, and uh, it appears Anthony voted his conscience. Although, um, I can tell you the reason I left Washington is exactly what happened yesterday, and, and Anthony actually supported that by saying that the the process is broken, and, and it's and, Bob, it's not just due process. It's congressional process. And you were laser-focused on that. The reason I left Washington is too often people do things for politics, and they don't follow the process. And the process would have never allowed such a quick impeachment. Uh, this is political theater. I continue to post that this is Nancy Pelosi just trying to get her last digs in on this president. And in the end... Even if it goes to the Senate, which is one of the reasons why, you know, if, if given that vote, and the reason I could say this is because I've posted this already on social media, I would have voted uh, absolutely not, no, because this is going nowhere. Even if it goes to the Senate, and even if the Senate has a hearing, it'll be after the president's gone. Constitutionally, you can't remove somebody who's already out of office. The process is broken. It's why I voted no on so many things, and in many cases, even came on your show and had to argue uh, like Anthony did with you or discuss, I'll say, with you, because I voted mm-hmm. different because the, of the process. And when the process is broken, uh, when somebody handed me a 5,000-page bill, I voted no. When somebody handed me, I mean, these are processes that I just disagreed with. And this process I disagreed with as well, too. By the way, uh, the one thing that uh, Anthony will have to deal with, there was a McLaughlin Associates poll came out yesterday. of Trump supporters, but 76% of Republicans indicated they were less likely to vote for a congressional member who votes in favor of impeaching Trump. Um, I think that really sums it up. I mean, I think Republicans really did believe that uh, this, this process was just absolutely broken. Well, it, it is exactly what you said. It's political theater because there's no point to this. If they had taken the time to do it right with the process, and by the way, you are nothing if you are not consistent. I feel like I'm having deja vu because I heard you for years on this prod, this broadcast, on this show rather, um, talking about the process. You will always vote if they violate the process. You want to uphold the process. You have been so consistent on that. So, and you're right, by the way. So if they had let the process take place here and actually held the evidentiary hearing in the, in the committee before going Going to a full vote vote for impeachment, we would have passed next Wednesday and the inauguration. So they had to do this now, violating the congressional due process, as you say, as well as Donald Trump's constitutional right to due process as the accused. They had to do that now just so they can get it on the record that we impeached him a second time and then set the stage for a post-inauguration trial. That is nothing if not political theater. You're a thousand percent right, and that's why I'm so disappointed in Congressman Gonzalez for, for participating in and I'm glad to hear you tell us the polling that you just did, that it, uh, uh, those who participated in this farce are going to pay a p- political price for it when they run for re-election. All right, now I don't want to steer, steer too far away from the original reason we scheduled this interview, Congressman. You held a town hall meeting 
last week talking about planning for Ohio's future. I wanted to talk to you then, but of course, circumstances changed, as they kind of did this morning. But let's get there. Um, you have been very critical of Mike DeWine and his handling of Ohio's economy, in particular his and the health department's orders uh, shutting down businesses, putting people out of work, uh, literally shutting down businesses, not just closing them temporarily. Many of them are never coming back, in fact, a large percentage of them. So the state of the economy is, uh, is in shambles right now, and you were talking about that uh, at your town hall. Can you give me a summary of where you are? Sure. Well, look, uh, again, this gets back to why I said we have to fix Ohio, because let's face it, Bob, the Washington is broken. They don't follow the processes as they do the impeachment or our debts and deficits are growing and will cross over 30 trillion. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's fixing it. But at some point in time, you know, the chickens are come to roost or whatever that saying is, because Ohio is falling behind. And a report by the University of Akron shows it's falling behind, not just Jim Renacci says it's falling behind. So what I did last week was I just really did a presentation at Town Hall, but I opened it up, which was what I wanted to do. I want to hear from people. And it was a nightling. But here's what I basically said. Ohio spends too much, they tax too much, and people are leaving. Those are our three basic points. And the truth of it is we do spend too much. I talked about Ohio 11.7 million people spend 75.5 billion versus a state like Georgia, 11 million people only spends 43 billion. And we talked about some of those details. I mean, in Ohio, because of Medicaid expansion, expenses are growing rapidly. And, and Medicaid is, is just booming as far as expenditures. And I, and I talked about some of those details. And then taxes, we tax too much. I mean, one of the reasons why we tax too much is we're losing population. We still have all the administrative uh, cities and townships, and this is something we have to talk about, the same amount of school districts, the same amount. So even though our taxes are low in Ohio, we tax everything. And it's another problem. It's one of the reasons why the Tax Foundation ranks us uh, 46th, I believe. Um, and that's another issue we talked about. Another thing uh, that, that people don't understand in, in Ohio is the seventh most corrupt state in the country, that was a study out of the University of Chicago in January of last year. That was before um, two incidences, one in uh, Toledo, one in Cincinnati in their, in their um, city councils, but also the big issue with uh, uh, the Speaker of the House in Ohio. So mm-hmm. if you start adding all this up, we have to, and then we have to figure out why people are leaving. And, this, and look, people are leaving because... You know, we're ranked as one of the lowest states in job uh, job growth, and, and people don't want to hear that. But in, in uh, 2019, prior to COVID, prior to COVID, we lost 6,200 jobs in the state of Ohio. Now, how do you lose 6,200 jobs when everybody else is booming? And how do you have an organization, and these are all the things we talked about, how do you have an organization called Jobs Ohio, which is taking billions of dollars, uh, and yet we're losing jobs, and their number one goal is to create jobs and enhance jobs. The problem is, Bob, our policies are so broken. We have to fix our tax system. We have to fix our regulations. We have to get control of Ohio before we can't control it anymore. And another thing that we talked about, and, uh, you know, we are subsidized by the federal government of almost 23 or 24% of the dollars that fund the state of Ohio are coming from the federal government. So no wonder why we have the, the, you know, the school uh, issues uh, common core because we're taking money 
for that. No wonder we have the issues with funding in so many tra- because we're taking money. And when you take money, you have to answer to those that are giving you money. That's why pay for play is ridiculous. We talked about some of that too. And again, I tried to avoid names. I talked about policies, but whenever somebody comes in office and, and raises uh, salaries across the board for all their directors and uh, puts in a new position for the lieutenant governor, which uh, remember, past lieutenant governors made about sixty thousand a year. This lieutenant governor makes over one hundred sixty thousand a year, plus has his own chief of staff, plus has his own, you know, full department that's hidden under the governor's office. These are things you wouldn't do if you're trying to cut spending. And then, Bob, I offered solutions. And I think people were were willing to talk about those. I said, we should be freezing expenditures and doing what Governor Voinovich did, asking for cuts across the board. Governor Voinovich said, I need 50. By the way, this was before the coronavirus. I mean, people will say, oh, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you short there, but but that's that's a huge part of this. This isn't all because of what they did in response to the pandemic, which I said at the outset there, but you're right. This was going on in 2019. This is something that the governor was presiding over, uh, you know, this decline in our economic growth, the, um, you know, taking a more federal money, everything you just said, and that study that you commissioned by the University of Akron and Ball State University, you know, the, showing that Ohio is losing ground economically. 31st in population growth, 30th in wage growth, 37th in job growth since 2015. So that extends into Kasich, term, uh, Kasich time as well as, of course, now into wine time. So this has been a problem building for a long time, and it is going to require long-term solutions. Next time we talk, Congressman Renacy, we'll talk about those. Thank you so much for your time, sir. All right. Thank you. It's Congressman Jim Renacci really doing yeoman's work to uh, point out what's going on in the state of Ohio. And uh, I'm confident he will come back with solutions. I know he presented them at his town hall last week. But we'll uh, we'll get to those the next time we chat. 952, right back after this. They keep haunting me. Are they warning me? Daylight turns into night. We try and find the answer, but it's nowhere inside. It's always the same. There it is. All right, 9.56. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. If you missed the uh, opening of the show today, we had a great conversation. At least I felt it was a great conversation. It was a necessary conversation because I feel like um, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, Ohio 16, who voted along with nine other Republicans yesterday to uh, impeach President Donald Trump and send him to the Senate for a trial after he is already removed from office, and they did so without due process, he needed a chance to explain himself. Um, it was um, it was interesting. Uh, I'm I'm struggling. I'm trying because I like to be fair, but I'm trying to find uh, a justification for voting without due process to send this thing to the Senate for a trial. No evidence was presented. No defense was offered or allowed to be presented. Uh, it was just simply. Uh, you know, a railroading, a railroading of a man that they have hated and tried to, uh, tried to impeach since the moment he was inaugurated. And, uh, I, there's no justification for it. This is the first question that I asked Anthony Gonzalez this morning. When we have been attacked and when our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked. Obviously, that's not Anthony Gonzalez. Let's try that one more time. Let's start with the obvious. You're one of just 10 Republican members to join every Democrat in the House to vote to impeach President Trump, according to the article presented to you of impeachment, and according to the arguments made by the Democrats uh, who led this impeachment for inciting insurrection. So, Congressman, 
what words did President Trump specifically use to incite the insurrection or the violence or vandalism that played out on January 6th? You know, when I, when I rewatched the speech uh, and I see things, you know, fight like hell and you have to you have to fight and you have to go and take back your country and you have to stop this and you have to go in and intervene. I mean, there were speeches throughout the day, um, not just President Trump. And I also want to say that, you know, th- this isn't solely his responsibility, not even close. Uh, ult- the ultimate responsibility is for those who made uh, those terrible decisions. And that was extraordinarily important. That alone should have prompted a no vote from from Representative Gonzalez. It wasn't President Trump's decision to go in and attack the Capitol. It should be the responsibility of those who made the decision to go and attack the Capitol. But he did use the words that were included in the article of impeachment as evidence that President Trump incited an insurrection because he said we have to fight for our country. I reminded Congressman Gonzalez of the obvious, that the words fight for something do not always mean go and be physical and violent. If fighting always meant go and be physical and violent, we would have to impeach all of the above. When we have been attacked and when our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked, do we retreat or do we fight? I say we fight. And I intend to fight. I intend to fight. Goodbye, Kamala Harris. You have to go now. You said to fight. For our ideals. I intend to fight. Are you willing to stand together and fight for those people who are struggling? Are you willing to fight? Goodbye, Bernie Sanders. You told people to fight. If you don't get what you don't fight for, I am in this fight. Goodbye, Elizabeth Warren. You said to fight. This is a fight for our country. For the oath we take to protect and defend the Constitution. And we got. Goodbye, Nancy Pelosi. You said this is a fight, and we have to fight to protect these things. And we got to fight like hell, and we got to win the House, and we got to win the Senate. That was President Trump in Georgia on January 4th using the language that we all use. We got to fight like hell for this. Does that mean go and engage in fisticuffs? Smash things? If it did, they would have moved to impeach him for that. Because it's the exact same words, fight like hell, that he used on January 6th. We have it deep in our souls, and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Dr. Everett Piper joins us next.